Bruce Cook is honored to have you join his conversations with people committed to talking with heart and brain functions in full operating gear. No spin, no agenda, just authentic conversation on just about anything. Welcome to the Bruce Cook Conversation. Democratic candidates for public office in Orange County discuss issues they hope will elect them to office. OC Supervisor Katrina Foley gives her opinions on crime, homelessness, and inflation. Then Bruce welcomes Mayor John Stevens of Costa Mesa, who talks about important neighborhood matters, including zoning, schools, safety, police and fire, and housing scarcity. The Bruce Cook Conversation with your host, Bruce Cook. Trending now. Here's your host, Bruce Cook. Brought to you by the Pickup Family Neurosciences Institute at Hogue. Thank you for joining the conversation tonight, everybody. I'm Bruce Cook, and it is my honor and pleasure to have you tuned in to Angels Radio KLAA this evening. We also uh, are a podcast. Wanted to remind you that uh, the following week, the show that you're hearing tonight will be on podcast. You can go to your favorite podcast, either Spotify, Anchor, Apple, whatever, and pick up the conversation if you missed it or if you want to hear it again. And we, we honor and welcome you to do that if you choose. I want to start by night, tonight by saying a shout-out to one of our listeners, actually one of my favorite listeners in Fullerton. I want to say uh, a healthy, happy Sunday night to Clara Kaplan, who listens every week. And I am so pleased that she does. And in the interest of uh, telling the truth, she's also my aunt. So there you go, Clara. Thank you for listening in Fullerton. Tonight our show is political because the election for the midterms is coming up on Tuesday and there's so much at stake and so much to be talked about. We're only going to touch on a few things tonight in our hour together, uh, but I wanted to do something a little bit, not controversial so much as just try and dig in a little bit. And I'm not doing a both sides kind of a uh tit for tat. Actually, my guest tonight, I have two prominent Democrats in Orange County. Uh, our first guest is Katrina, Katrina Foley, who is an Orange County supervisor. She's a dynamo, former mayor of Costa Mesa. She's also an attorney. She serves on a number of committees. Her life is dedicated to the causes in which she believes. Second guest in the second half hour will be another Democrat, Mr. John Stevens, who is also an attorney and he is the current mayor of Costa Mesa, California. And his list of, of uh, uh, how do you say, uh, philanthropic and, and civic-oriented responsibilities is as long as an encyclopedia, even though they don't make them anymore. He is a very, very dedicated man also. I want to start, though, with kind of an outrageous proposition uh, before Katrina joins us on the air. With all the talk and all of the media about election dangers, election fraud, election this, election that, and with really a significant, a very significant portion of our electorate still feeling that elections are not trustworthy and that the, the polls are not trustworthy and the results are not trustworthy, I was thinking, well, how do we fix that? And since I have two Democrats on the show tonight, and both of them I know are dedicated to free, fair, open elections to let everybody have a chance to cast a ballot, 
How do we do it to make sure that it is free and fair? And this is pretty radical, but I'm going to put it out there. And if anybody wants to call in while I'm talking to my guests, you're welcome to do so on this comment. I normally don't open the phone lines for calls, but I will do that. 714-2830-830. You know that if you're listening to Angels Radio. 714-2830-830. Anyway, my outrageous proposition is this. Would it be absolutely abhorrent to insist that every voter file a tax return? And I don't care if you pay a dollar or a million dollars, but that you file a tax return in order to have the right to vote. Why do I bring that up? Because essentially, isn't government about spending your money? Isn't our government about spending your tax dollars on all kinds of things, essential things and non-essential things, but it's all about spending your money. So if you're contributing to the system, you should have a right to say how that money is spent. All right. Having said that, I probably scared Katrina to death, but I welcome her on the show. Are you there? I'm here, Bruce. How are you? Happy uh, two days before the eve of the election. <laughs> Let um, me, care before you go on, Katrina, Erin, my sound level is really low. I can barely hear her. Can you turn it up? Can you hear me better now? Oh, that, yeah. Uh, louder is better. Have, louder is better. I have a little bit too far away from my mouth, maybe. Okay, perfect, because we need all of our voters that are listening tonight to hear you hear what you have to say. First of all, welcome welcome to the show tonight. It's been <clears throat> excuse me, it's been a rigorous few months for all the candidates. Um, your situation is a little different. Um, you you came into this position about a year ago and here you are running for re-election already. You don't have yeah. a lot you don't have a lot against you. You have one candidate. If I correct me if I'm wrong. Um, one candidate. I had, to, I had to win the primary. Bes so I won yeah, the pri besides that, I mean, for the general. Yeah. Um, yeah, besides that. <laughs> anyway, how are you feeling right now? I feel good. We just got through walking uh, Rancho Mission Viejo, which, by the way, one of the things I love about campaigns is I love getting out, talking directly to the voters and meeting all kinds of new people, learning about new areas, especially now with. You know, I got elected to one district, and now with the changes of the maps, I'm I'm off to the south instead of the north of the county. And so I had never actually been to Rancho Mission Viejo and uh, until I started running for this new map uh, seat. And really love that neighborhood, love that area. We have spoken to nearly every single household in Rancho Mission Viejo. So we just finished, and we had a beautiful drive back uh, uh, with amazing sunsets. I mean, we are just so lucky to live here in Orange County. No kidding. The sunsets lately have been out of this world. But how do you have a voice left if you've talked to every resident in Mission Viejo? Well, I drink water and... <laughs> you know, I don't <laughs> I not not hard. Uh, I'm I've still got my voice. I need to just keep my voice for a couple more days, and then I can go quiet for a few days. <laughs> All right, your compo your opponent, or the, your Republican 
opponent in in this race is from South County, I believe. She is better known in South County. Maybe not. How does that feel? I, I mean, they changed the district the districting and you're really well known in in Coastal County, so talk to me about that. Hey, my polling shows that I have more name recognition in the district than she does. So, um, we are working hard and I've been working as a county supervisor for the last 21 months and really making a difference in the lives of residents across the entire county. Uh, we worked on the oil spill response. I think a lot of people got to know me in other parts of the, of the county because of that. And we were able to get that cleaned up quickly. And then we were able to have uh, our tax dollars returned to us from the responsible party in terms of getting reimbursed for every single penny plus our attorney's fees. So I'm really proud of that work, and I think that got you know a lot more people knowing about the kind of work that I do and and my vision for Orange County, which is of course to protect our coast, protect our tourism, support our small businesses. That was a big part of that effort, making sure our businesses got to reopen quickly, um, and and then you know protecting the safety of our community, whether it's from an oil spill or from burglars um, or you know fentanyl dealers or rogue sober living home operators who aren't taking care of the people who they bring into their establishments. You know, I'm all about public safety. These issues appeal to everyone, not just Republicans, Democrats, independents. These are all issues that affect everybody. If you are reelected to the seat as a county supervisor, I'm sure you are aware, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I think that if you resume this role, Democrats will have a, a, a majority in the supervisors. It's never happened before in Orange County. Yes, no. And what will that mean for the large Republican contingent out there? Well, I don't think it means anything other than they're going to get great service from this representative. Um, I am so uh, amazed at how many people care about issues over party. I mean, we are just really working on issues that are across the board. I mean, most of the people I talk to today are Republicans. They're voting for me. Uh, they know that I care about making sure that the neighborhoods are safe, making sure that the fire planning is done properly because we've got all this open space in this district. District 5 is filled with lots of open space that's high risk for fires. Laguna Beach, Laguna Niguel, we just had a fire there last year in both cities. Uh, Yeah, so we're um, you know, so I really and you know, Bruce, you know this from me for many, many years. Look, I never really worry about the fact that I'm running in areas where there might be more Republicans. Uh, I ran in Costa Mesa several times. It was like a, I don't know, 10 plus, sometimes 20 point advantage of the Republican Party. But I run on issues. And so when you're in local government, right now our board votes the same 99.9% of the time. And we don't really have partisan issues coming before us. We have issues that relate to community services. The county has an $8.8 billion budget. And it's charged with providing the services to the community for public safety, uh, for health, for uh, mental health, 
making sure our court system works. The airport is working well and kidding passengers traveling. And for me, I want to get it greened up and cleaned up. Um, but our harbors, our beaches, um, this is what we do. And it's all about making sure that this amazing place we call home in Orange County continues to thrive uh, from an economic standpoint of which we are and from a uh, just from a beautification and a, a quality of life standpoint that we continue to improve uh, and not degrade. And I feel like people know that that's what I stand for. You also are facing a situation in a very wealthy, generally, uh, uh, no, I can't even talk about it, in a wealthy community in America that is also suffering from economic problems because there are a lot of people that live in this quote-unquote wealthy area that aren't so wealthy that are struggling. How do yeah. we... How do we how do we reach out to solve the problems of the division between wealth and poor without giving away? And I bring this up because I want to sort of segue into the fact that recently you did a gas card giveaway. Mm -hmm. Talk to me about that. Why did you do that? And what do you think the benefit was? Okay. Well, I did that because uh, each of our board offices was allocated $10 million dollars that is the American Rescue Plan funds. And so the money is supposed to be spent on relief and supporting the community. And so um, what better way to support the community than to give them their money back? Where does that and money, where did that $10 million come from, Katrina? I don't know. It's the American Rescue Plan funds that was allocated to the county. Each county received a, a an amount that they received last year. So this Our is part of this is a federal <laughs> grant. It's not a grant. It's just that in the American Rescue Plan, uh, money was distributed last year to all the counties in different tranches. We got a first tranche in the summer of last year, and then the second tranche in May of this year. But it, the allocation was determined last year, and so it was to make up for revenue loss and for expense related to COVID. And so we um, we allocated most of that money. I think we have like $57 million that hasn't been allocated to a whole variety of things. And each district office received $10 million. Everybody's using it for different things. You know, Supervisor Wagner just used some to replenish the fish in one of the lakes in the area he represents. So I, um, I've used my funds for a variety of things, supporting the children's programs at the museum, funding business grants for the Santa Ana businesses that were shut down by the streetcar and not able to open and not able to generate revenue, uh, supporting different arts venues, educational STEM programming for kids, uh, meal gaps, uh, building community gardens. There's a whole laundry list. Uh, 1.5 million went to building apartments for survivors of domestic violence and disabled uh, seniors. And so um, this was, uh, we, we allocated 4,000 gro grocery and gas cards. And you did not have to be any certain type of income. I just opened up the, the, the sign up and it was the first come, first serve. So people were able to get their gas card, whether they were wealthy or not, uh, because 
that is just, it was intended to help relief at the pump, which affects everyone. It does affect everyone, but how would you say it to a critic who said, if if the person is not suffering, why should they take advantage of the system and get a $100 gas card? I realize well, it's democratic, it's but on, on the other hand, it seems not right. Well, I think it is right. Why should you get a refund on your taxes? What's the difference? Um, so I, um, I was out there myself personally uh, distributing the gas cards, and so I can tell you, while it was open to everyone, I think probably... Um, most people that were there and waiting in line, it was a long line. Were legitimate uh, in legitimate need. They were in need, and they were. And then there were some teachers. You know, a lot of people right now at the pump. It's costing two hundred bucks to get to to and from work every week. I mean, that's a huge hit for most people. Who no, are it's it's uh, very 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 scary for everybody. And it's their money. I mean, what does it matter? It, I mean, I'm just giving people back their money. All right. Talk to me about the $1.5 million uh, for the Wise Place that you, you mentioned. Yes. Um, so Wise Place Women's Shelter uh, has been working on a project for a permanent supportive housing apartment complex that they're going to build on top of the existing facility. And that building is a historic building, so it's taken a little time to weave its way through the process. Well, they had a $1.5 million funding gap, and they needed to fill that gap in order to qualify for some state funds and tax credit. And so we were able to fund that gap, and that allowed them to uh, finalize the funding for the project. It's going to break ground in February of 2023, and there's supposed to be 48 apartment units built. Uh, and it's going to make a difference for many, many people's lives. What about the fact that the uh, actually, this is too big of a question, and I'm getting waved at by Aaron. We got to <laughs> we got to go to our first commercial break, Katrina. But we'll be right back, and I've got three more really important questions in our time together. Okay. Uh, don't go away, ladies and gentlemen. Stay with me, Katrina Foley, OC Supervisor, on the line live tonight. We'll be right back. Angels Radio, AM830. At the Pickup Family Neurosciences Institute, the Hogue Epilepsy Program is accredited by the National Association of Epilepsy Centers as a Level 4 Epilepsy Center. This means that our experts provide the highest level care for patients with complex epilepsy. Our patient-centered approach to epilepsy treatment combined with state-of-the-art technology, including robotics and laser ablation, ensure the best possible outcomes for our patients. To learn more or for an evaluation, call 949-966-0243 or visit hogue.org forward slash epilepsy care. Hey, yay, yay, that's what they say here at Angels Radio. I'm Bruce Cook, the conversation live tonight. Katrina Foley, OC Supervisor, with me sharing some thoughts about our election coming up on Tuesday and the issues facing all of us here in Orange County, actually all over California. Katrina, I started to break into a question asking you about the transit strike that has been 
very problematic. I understand that it has been on it's on pause at least through the election, and then hopefully uh, everyone will come to terms. Can you comment, please? Yes. So the mechanics and the maintenance workers, which are uh, their bargaining group is through the Teamsters, they went on strike. Well, they they notified OCTA, Orange County Transportation Authority, that they were planning to strike a few weeks ago. And then uh, there was a special mediator that got brought in and the parties went to the table and continued to negotiate. But negotiations broke down last Monday, and it's predominantly over health care. Uh, big shocker, right? I mean, the health care costs are so expensive, and um, the workers really don't make that much money. I really think we need to assess how we pay people in this county, especially if we expect people to live here. And so, as a good example, the top step for a maintenance worker, a mechanic who's specially trained and has to work on both uh, buses that are traditional old-time kind of buses as well as new technologically enhanced buses. And, you know, they've got a pretty rigid schedule. It's not like they can go get another second job somewhere. Um, they, at Top Step, make, after six years and a great record, $78,000. Now, that might seem like, oh, that's a lot of money. Well, it's really not because in Orange County... You can't qualify, live here. You can't live here on $78,000. To qualify for low-income affordable housing, uh, because not only do they, they make 78000 that's the gross, right? That's that's before taxes. Right, before of the, course. $350 a month health care uh, share. So they're down to like sixty six, sixty seven thousand dollars a year. Well, that qualifies you for low income, government subsidized, affordable housing. Well, good luck There's finding it. With, yeah, something wrong with this picture. So you know, we don't want people to work for government and be forced into welfare by having to work for government. It makes no sense. So we've got to you know right size this, and it's not like we're without money at the OCTA. But this is a bigger question, though, that you brought up, and I have talked about this on radio, actually, maybe with you previously, but this region has become so expensive for people to live and survive, let alone flourish. Yeah. Are you afraid that the time is near that the workforce doing the jobs you just described one very technical job that pays $78,000. But what about all the people that make 15 and $20 an hour that man the supermarkets and the stores and the gas stations and the cleaners and all the service jobs that used to be able to live here? Maybe they didn't live in a palace, but they lived in a decent, clean environment and they could afford it. They can't do that. They have to live far away and commute for hours. When does it stop? When do those people say, I'm not living like this anymore. I can't do this. I have to find a job somewhere where closer to where I live, especially since we've talked about uh, $200 a month to pay for gas. Yeah, what happens already, then? $200 a, month, $200 a week. Um, it's already started. People, I was at a restaurant a couple nights ago. And it's a restaurant in Costa Mesa. I won't tell you the name. But it's a restaurant I've been to many, many, many times. And 
they don't have any servers anymore because they can't hire anyone. So they've gone to this all digital, you know, you got the QR code and, and they do rotating around with the different people who are on the floor to come and provide you with service. So you don't have a, a server who comes, you know, I was a server, went, put myself through college that way. Um, that job is gone now because they don't have enough people. Why don't they have enough people? They don't have enough people because no one's going to drive from Riverside right. to come to a local restaurant and make minimum wage plus tips, which aren't that much because there's not that many people in the restaurant, you know. So it is, uh, it's a struggle. We, are, we have vacancies in every industry in Orange County right now. In large part, because I do a lot of work with our business community, I have meetings with leadership from different CEOs. I've had meetings with the Orange County Business Council. Um, and a large part of the problem we're having and we're seeing is because people during the pandemic, they all were working remotely and then they needed to downsize. So they moved and then they kind of got used to living a different lifestyle not wanting to get back on that commute grind. And and so they just got jobs closer to home. And that's what is our problem. You can't get a job close to home because you can't afford to live here. Okay, so that leads us into the homelessness question that we are all facing. Certainly not as horrific as it is in Los Angeles, but it's getting worse in Orange County. What say you? How do we help? Well, before we go to that, I want to tell you about one of the solutions, you know, I don't, I'm not a person, as you know, Bruce, I don't just like bring up problems. I try to find solutions. I like to bring unlikely allies together to, to craft solutions. So we hear all sides of the coin. And w one solution that we need to start focusing on here in Orange County is we need to start creating first time home buyer programs uh, so that we can do zero interest loans that will allow people to get into housing. People who are making great wages, but they can't come up with $250,000 to buy a home. But they could, if they, if they got a little help on the down payment, then they'd be able to make the monthly payments and would be able to keep people into housing. So that's one thing we need to do. We also need to start talking about when we're building all of this like apartment-style housing, how do we create opportunities for people to have owner equity in that? So if you look at other communities, there are places, well, even here in Irvine, you have at the university where there's a 99-year lease on the property, but the, own, the, the homeowner owns the, the home. And then when they sell the home, they have to allow it to be used, uh, to be sold to a, like a professor or someone at UCI. But we need to start thinking about as we're building density in the right areas. Again, you know how I feel about this. You can't build density in the middle of single family neighborhoods. Um, but as we're building density in the right areas, we need to, but near job centers, we need to think about how do we create ownership equity so that we have the next generation uh, be able to have that owner equity and be able to transfer and move up. So as to the issue of homelessness, we absolutely do not want to, LA. We're nowhere near close to that. I can assure you of that. Um, and we don't want to be like Seattle either. So um, we're working diligently on those issues. You and I have talked about this a lot. Um, we need to have a combination of a 
compassionate approach to help people who need help, um, a hand up, not a handout, as they say, uh, to move people from the streets into shelter and then into permanent supportive housing. We've got to get more permanent supportive housing online. What does that mean? That means housing where you have services attached to it so people stay housed and they don't fall out and start that process all over again. And then um, then one of the issues that I supported the care court concept, which Senator Umberg um, presented that bill, and that is to for people in our community that are schizophrenic, bipolar, unable to take care of themselves and just rotting and dying because nobody's caring for them under the guise of their personal rights, and then they're dying in our parks and on our streets. We've got to be able to um, initiate conservatorships and help those individuals and get them into recuperative care and and we're going to have to come up with some kind of a housing strategy for them that is involuntary. I mean, we're just going to have to. We can't continue in this approach. It's a challenge. It's a big challenge. The the uh, the pundits are all saying that people are going to the polls on Tuesday in every in every race in every city, and the issues are economy, inflation, crime. And then all the other things. How are voters in Orange County going to the polls, in your view? What are the top things on Orange County voters? Number one issue in this district uh, in Orange County, I would say probably across all districts, but I know in this district in particular, number one issue is safety, public safety, safe neighborhoods, safety in the parks, safety along the bike trails. These are issues that people care deeply about, and I think that's why I have the support of law enforcement because I work on those issues and I care about them, and I don't, you know, I want to make sure our neighborhoods stay safe and families thrive. Um, the other issue, of course, you know, we talked about cost of living. The other issue is choice. I mean, we have uh, this district, eighty to eighty-five percent of the the voters are pro-choice. And they're very strong. It's like 95% um, when it relates to uh, access to birth control. So, I mean, people are about the freedom to choose and to make decisions for themselves in this district. Uh, so those are kind of the big ticket issues. I would say that the public safety issues, you know, there's a lot of subsets. There's the issue of safe neighborhoods, of uh, stopping burglaries in neighborhoods. There's the issue of, of of homelessness and what's the interplay between those that are taking advantage of maybe um, the people who are homeless and using that as a way to commit crime. There is a group of individuals that are using our flood channels for dealing drugs. And so we are putting the kibosh on that in uh, the current district I represent. We have installed new gates and fencing all along our flood channels that cannot be scaled. Uh, we also, in this last budget, I was able to secure funding for two deputy sheriffs and a, a, a type of vehicle that allows us to be able to go into the flood channels and clear them out so that we don't have people, one, living in there, but more importantly, we don't have uh, 
than being used as drug dealing tunnels, which is what has been happening. So that's a big issue for me. And, you know, I have the uh, Association of Deputy Sheriffs, the Costa Mesa Police, the Irvine Police, um, and Laguna, all supporting my candidacy. It's a big job. You've got a lot of challenges in front of you. Katrina, our time is up. Thank you for sharing a half hour with me and the listeners tonight to explain your positions. Um, in a final uh, final message, if somebody wants to reach out to you, what is your website? It's easy. It's KatrinaFoley.com. There you and, go. Yep, very easy. And you can go to follow us on Facebook at KatrinaFoleyOC. Thank you for your time tonight. Tuesday is coming. I expect you to come back on radio after the election, and we'll talk again. Well, I sure hope I can. I, I really enjoy our conversations, Bruce. Thank you for uh, inviting me on, and happy birthday to my chief of staff, Nick Annis. Thanks okay, there, there we go. Happy- there we go. <laughs> keep it keep it personal and keep keep everybody safe. Thank you. Thanks again, Katrina. Okay, good luck, John. Take care. Okay. (laughs) Bye-bye. Ladies and gentlemen, our half-hour break. We will be right back, and you're going to meet John Stevens, mayor of Costa Mesa. Stay with me. I'm Bruce Cook. It's The Conversation Tonight. Angels Radio. AME 30. Pickup Family Neurosciences Institute at Hogue is ranked in the top 1% in the nation by U.S. News and World Report. It provides world-class care through multidisciplinary expert teams, each focusing on specific disorders of the brain and spine, such as stroke, aneurysms, brain tumors, Parkinson's disease, cognitive disorders including Alzheimer's, epilepsy, back pain, as well as spinal cord issues, addiction medicine, and sleep disorders. Our renowned experts offer the best evidence-based care, state-of-the-art technology, and the latest clinical research, all focused on the individual patient. Our stroke program was the first in Orange County named as a certified comprehensive stroke center, and our brain tumor program is the largest in Orange County and among the top volume programs in the Western United States. Pickup Family Neurosciences Institute. Compassionate care, clinical excellence, creative intelligence. To learn more, call 949-516-9075 or visit hogue.org forward slash neuroinstitute. I think that's an appropriate song saying congratulations. My second guest tonight, as I teased at the beginning of the show, is Mr. John Stevens, mayor of Costa Mesa attorney, activist, father, family man, community activist, education advocate, you name it, he's involved, and he is running again, or actually for the first time, I think, to for his uh, to resume his role as mayor of Costa Mesa. He's my second Democrat tonight on the show. <laughs> and, uh, we have the market corner tonight. Yeah, they do. They've got the market corner, and we're going to talk about some of the stuff Stuff is really a bad word, but it sounds kind of cool and friendly. Some of the issues and the items that are important to local citizens in Southern California, specifically in his territory of Costa Mesa, but they really do apply to so much, uh, such a broader, such a broader range. So let me start by welcoming John. 
John, say hello to the listening audience. Tell them just a little bit about yourself. Hi, everybody. Bruce, it's great to be here. It really is. So, yeah, so I'm the mayor of the great city of Costa Mesa, and uh, your prior guest, Katrina Foley, uh, I served with her on the city council from 20, uh, two, 2016 until 2020, and then when she got uh, moved to the board of supervisors, she won that race, then I got appointed by the city council to be the mayor and serve out her term. So, that was in March of 2021. So, I've had almost two years as the mayor. And how has it been those two years? Has it been stressful for you? No, no, no. Nothing Nothing ever stresses me out, Bruce. I'm, <laughs> you're so I'm mellow. As, your voice is so easygoing, but I know that you're a tough guy. Yeah, I'm as cool as a cucumber. No, I look, we have a terrific council. We're very collaborative. We're very civil to each other. We love to hear from the public. The public comes in and speaks with us. I'll tell you a little bit about that in a second. But... Uh, then we have a great city staff. Our city manager is strong. Our police chief is absolutely transformative. Our fire chief, we call him um, Papa Bear. He's been there for so many years. And Dan Stefano, he's terrific. But I was going to tell you, so as I said, we have the public that comes in and speaks to us. Many years ago, we have a 35% Latino population in the city of Costa Mesa. Many years ago, the city council uh, took an approach, and the city took an approach as, as an extension to really cooperate with ICE. And uh, it was a very chilling effect on the Latino population. The Latino population didn't trust their government. That happened for, for years. And when Katrina was the mayor, uh, and, and I was working with her, we tried to bridge that gap and tried to get more trust in that community. In 2018, because of districting, we uh, elected, elected in Costa Mesa, the first three Latino council members in the history of Costa Mesa, um, Manuel Chavez, Arliss Reynolds, and Andrea Marr. Subsequently, in 2020, uh, Lauren Gameros, who's also Latino, joined the council. So now we have a majority where there was none for all those years. And how has that changed things? So, what, so what's happened, Bruce, is where before Katrina and I couldn't even get one person to come to our public events uh, in those Latino communities, now they're coming to, co to to City Hall, speaking Spanish to us. Numerous people are petitioning the government trustfully, trust in trust, and Manuel Chavez, who's terrific, he's a District Four, he's a great council member. And he, he speaks absolutely fluent Spanish, so he'll respond in Spanish. And it's a complete sea change in just four years. It's unbelievable. I have to ask, prior when there was the situation with ICE, was ICE looking for undocumented? Is that what caused this situation? What was the, what was the reason for that? And this sea change, as you said, was it bringing in Hispanic citizens into the fold, or was it was it broader than that? Well, so I'm not sure exactly the details of what happened. This was in the 2000s. So there was one particular council member, I'm not going to mention his name, but one particular council member who became the mayor as well. And, he, and this was a big issue for him, to immigration and to work with ICE and, and have the 
city of Costa Mesa, our police department, uh, collaborate, if you will, with, with ICE. And as I said, that had that chilling effect. And, and to answer your question, it's both. So we have um, people from the Latino community, as I mentioned, those four council members who are in positions of authority in the city. And as a result, that opens up so much more dialogue. 35% of the citizens in the city of Costa Mesa well, were, were, were basically disenfranchised because of fear and concern of interacting with the government. And now it's open to them. Well, it's a very good point, and it certainly is a Southern California issue. Apparently, in the city of Los Angeles, in the mayoral race right now, there's over 50% of the population is Latino. Right, yeah. And how how large of a group of that 50% are citizens or are undocumented? And how, without some kind of a, without some kind of a collaboration, you have chaos. Well, I don't know if you have chaos. I, I have no I have no idea. If somebody comes up to the city of Costa Mesa to that they have some issue, whatever it might be. I'll give you an example. There was a dispute because there was a um, uh, one of those food trucks that was parked near residential, and the residents were complaining about the food truck, and the food truck was complaining about the residents. Anyway, that's so a how re- do you solve that one? That's a real human issue. So absolutely you, con- connecting. Was this your favorite food truck? No, 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 no. <laughs> your daily it, lunch truck. <laughs> but but Bruce, it's near one of my favorite bars. So <laughs> so uh, I will say. But no, but so those are just the basic issues of life. I mean, you know what we do. It's really close to the ground and it's very granular. It might be about a wall or a tree or something like that. Let me segue from the food truck close to the residence to Measure K. Oh sure, which is a big deal. Talk to me about that, about building and the building, quote-unquote, expansion and how it should be handled and what's going on in Costa Mesa with Measure K. It's hard to talk about Measure K without, like, being boring and wonky, but I'll do the best I can. Well, no, it's—listen, it's not boring. People are worried that, you know, the the cost of housing and land is so steep and builders— are looking to make a buck, and they get a parcel in the middle of a residential neighborhood, and bingo, changes the whole character of the yeah, area. Yeah, yeah. So let me talk to you about Measure K. So in 2016, there was a measure passed called Measure Y. Measure Y basically said for any housing project or commercial project of any size, that and I don't want to get into all the details, but anything of substance, let's say, had to go to the voters. And what that did is that put a completely screeching halt on any development in the city of Costa Mesa. Now, there's good development and there's bad development. I want to give you an example. You know Costa Mesa. So you know Costa Mesa north of the 405, but on the east side, over in what we call South Coast Metro. There's a lot of great housing, multifamily housing and rental housing. It's beautiful. People live there. They live close to work. They work, live, play where in their area. That's good housing. And and so that's an example of how housing can work for the community. So measure measure Y came came by and they said uh, you have to have the vote and as a result no projects have moved forward because no developer is going to put up their capital to go through the entitlement process, get a site control, everything you need for two or three years, go through CEQA and environmental review, 
only to take it to the voters and they say, nope, sorry, all your money is flushed down the toilet. So we just, as a matter of fact, we've never had a vote in six years. We will never have a vote. And so Measure K is a way of saying, in certain corridors, as I said, north of the 405, where it's worked before, down Harbor Boulevard, which is a commercial corridor, Newport Boulevard, which is kind of a distressed commercial corridor, Bristol Street, we're looking to put housing opportunities in those areas. And and at the same time... And you, there will you, not be a vote? As a, if, there, a, if a developer says, I want to do it on Harbor Boulevard in this location, as long as it's in that region? No vote of the people, but there would be a vote of the Planning Commission, a vote of the right, City Council. Which is normal. Which, which is the way it is in almost every other city. Right. So basically, we're taking those corridors and we're saying, we're going to go back to the normal land use entitlement process in those corridors. In single family areas and where residences are, then you need a vote. So if somebody would put something extraordinary out of character, like um, uh, Supervisor Foley was talking about, a big building in, in a single family residence, then, then that's not going to happen because there's never going to be a vote. vote it down. Yeah. Time for a break. John Stevens, Mayor of Costa Mesa. I'm Bruce Cook. It's The Conversation tonight on Angels Radio KLAA. We will be right back. Football lives here on AMA 30 KLAA. As part of the Pickup Family Neurosciences Institute, Hoag's Neurospine Program offers innovative methods to reduce pain, inflammation, and improve mobility safely and effectively, often without surgery. Should you need surgery, Hoag is a leader with minimally invasive techniques, 3D imaging, and robotics to restore your golf swing or your swing dance. Many of our patients go home in just a few hours, walking the very next day. Call our dedicated nurse navigator at 949-537-2931 for an evaluation or visit hoag.org forward slash spine Welcome back, everybody. I'm Bruce Cook. It's The Conversation Live, Angels Radio, KLAA. My very special guest, John Stevens, Mayor of Costa Mesa. We're having a great chat talking about things that matter here in Orange County and in his specific region of Costa Mesa. I'm going to broaden it out a little bit. I want to ask you, John, about the Paul Pelosi attack. As a civil servant, are you wearing a bulletproof vest? Does it scare you? What does the future hold? How do we react to this? What's important? What's not? Well, the first thing I will say is um, I was really surprised. I think that the Paul Pelosi attack and attacks like Paul, the Paul Pelosi attack – um, there's really only one response to it, and it's to be horrified that's, that, that a, a violent crime occurred on another human being, and in this case, a senior citizen, and then also be very concerned that the that our, our people that put themselves in harm's way and have positions like judges, like district attorneys, like in, that, in, in this case, a member of con- Congress, and their families are protected. Now, in in my case, in the city of Costa Mesa, I don't really feel any concern about my safety. It's and and there are other cities that 
have that concern, I know, and there could be an issue that comes up that creates that that problem. But in the main, you know, our issues are local. I'm a resident of the city of Costa Mesa that coached Little League for 18 and softball for 18 years. I'm doing a little public service here, and I'm going to go back and be a resident. So I don't feel um, a threat to my safety. But the other thing that's great is I live right around the corner from the police chief, <laughs> and and he told he told me he said and, and, you know he's on my speed dial about police issues. He says if anything happens, you call nine one one. You call me. I'll be right around the corner. Well, there you go. You got a little little private security of your very own. You told me before the show that you've had quite a quite a week this week. You were with yeah. President Biden. Um, you have been with Gavin Newsom today before coming in here today. Talk to me about your campaign trail and what are you doing with these high-level Democrats that are your uh, your leaders of the party? Well, yeah, there's. It, it, I mean, the campaign trail is just uh, all the stuff that you do and and walking and knocking on doors. We do a lot of that and everything on social media now. And of course, those ridiculous signs that are all over the city with my name on them and things of that nature. But you're right. This week is a week like I've never had in my entire life. I met the President of the United States. And I was I went to a, a rally for uh, Mike Levin down in Oceanside. And I went with Lauren Gomeros, who is, uh, is a real good friend of mine. He's on the council with me. And first of all, it was excruciating, because we had to literally stand, stand. This is not a joke. I'm saying literally for four hours, motionless in one place, waiting for President Biden and Mike Levin, because we had to save our place, but we had a good place. So when uh, we were able at the end, so he spoke, he spoke beautifully, he had a lot of stories that he told, it was very moving, and he's such a, just a genuine, kind human being. You know, whatever you want to say about politics, and this is a man who has suffered tragedy and triumph and has been serving the country for 50 years. So. So he comes around and he does like a rope line, you know, where he goes and he talks to people. And Councilmember Gomeros had a, a thing planned. And he leans in. Councilmember Gomeros is a union member. And so he said something to the president about him being a union member. I didn't know what to say to the president. I just shook his hand. Councilmember Gomeros then yells out to the president. He says, This guy right here, he's the mayor of Costa Mesa. So the president comes in for another handshake, and he reaches out, grabs my hand, squeezes my hand, pulls me in, and he says, thank you for doing the hard work at the local level. I'm like, oh, my gosh. So I said, what did you say to the president? So I, I was shaking his hand, and I said, Mr. President, I said, you are welcome in the great city of Costa Mesa anytime. <laughs> Please come to Costa Mesa. <laughs> anyway, I couldn't believe it. Can you imagine the, 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 the president of the United States? He's waiting for you outside of uh, Oakma. He's waiting to take a yeah. tour of the new museum in oh, Costa Mesa, yes. and you're going to give him a guided tour. Yeah. So, so today I was with Governor Newsom, and I, I introduced Katie Porter at another rally. And I actually spent a good amount of time with Governor Newsom at Orange Coast College. So, but And Governor Newsom was wonderful. But there's something about meeting the President of the United States that is just a, a once-in-a-lifetime experience. You know what's great about that? What's great about that is what should be in this country, and it's not. And the, what I'm saying is, regardless of your politics, regardless of your party, getting a chance to meet and talk to the President of the United States is 
a privilege. Yeah, absolutely. It's an honor. And I don't care if you are the most conservative person who hates everything he's ever done. If you have the chance to meet the president of the United States, you shake his hand and you say thank you for your service. We need that again in this country because we've lost it. Right. And the same goes flip side. If, yeah. if the Republicans take over, the same thing goes for, for very liberal and progressive people who can't stand the conservative. The same thing goes. If we can get back to that, we will survive. I agree. I agree. And there's so many things. Look, at no matter what, there's many things that divide us, but most of the things unite us. We all want, as Supervisor Foley said, public safety. We want public safety. We want parks. We want clean water. We want clean beaches. We want an environment. We want to be able to live affordably in shelter that keeps us warm, safe, and dry. And we want something better for our children. We want education, health care. These are all the things we want. They unite us. And very very little divides us, but, we, but the focus is that there's nobody watches the news to talk about what unites us. They watch the news to talk about what divides us. So that I think is 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 too much, you know, too much focus on that. I wish we could talk more, John, uh, but our time is unfortunately almost up. Uh, mayoral race on Tuesday? Yes, yes. What's your prediction? Well, I think I think we're going to win. I think we're um, you know, I got to knock on this a lot of wood here. I'm knocking on the wood. But look, we've done the hard work, and it's been going on for a long time. And also, that it's not just the work of the of the election; it's the work of doing the work. And we've done that. And so, I leave it in the hands of the voters. And I hope that I'm elected, and I hope that I have the privilege of serving for another two years. And what a nice way to end our time together, regardless of the outcome on Tuesday. You will come back again on the show anytime you like. We wish you the best of luck. Ladies and gentlemen, we're up, we're out of time. It's time to uh, plan your visit to the polls if you haven't already mailed in a ballot. Tuesday's the day. Exercise your right as an American and vote. And please come back next Sunday and listen to the conversation with me and my guests. We have so much to talk about every single week. Be healthy, be strong, take care of one another, and good night. You've been listening to The Bruce Cook Conversation. Hear The Bruce Cook Conversation on Sundays at 6 p.m. Pacific on AM 830 KLAA. And hear the podcasts of every show on Anchor, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Breaker, Pocket Casts, and Radio Public.